0: Hope you guys are having a great day today, and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazzini Program, where we talk about financial freedom and economics. Ladies and gentlemen, if you were joining me here for the very first time today, first and foremost, I want to say welcome, and I wanted to go ahead and ask you guys to take the 10-episode challenge. What the 10-episode challenge is, is basically where, I mean, it's exactly how it sounds. You go back and you listen to the last 10 episodes. It's not very difficult uh, to understand or anything like that. And the reason I ask you guys to do this is because I feel like there's a lot of value back there. I feel like there's a ton... Of value in the last couple 10 episodes and further back. If you want to listen to more, binge listen to the entire podcast, more power to you. But I feel like there's so much value back there that I feel like you guys would be doing yourself a disservice if you simply just started to listen to the podcast today and not go back and listen to any of the other episodes at all. So, I mean, we don't talk about news and, econ- you know, whether it's politics, economics, whatever it is, what we talk about here, we don't talk about in a vacuum. So I'm going to be referencing things or I might be referencing things, kind of depends on the. Episode, the stuff that I've talked about in the past and in other episodes that you simply won't be aware of if you don't go back and listen to the last 10 episodes. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you'll do that, you'll get a lot more value out of the show. And one last thing before we hop into it if you like what I'm doing here, if you like this podcast, then please go give me a rating and review on iTunes. It helps the show, it helps us immensely. It helps us to get this message out there, it helps the show to be more visible and to get on the rankings, and it ultimately just helps us to get the show more into the eyes of everybody else and helps to just grow the show. So if you guys are loving this message, if you guys are loving the show and and what I'm doing here, the value I'm providing, then please go give me a rating review. I'd really, really appreciate it. All right, let's go ahead and hop into today's show. So... Today we're going to talk about the riots that occurred in the Capitol I and mean, pretty much everyone who has a podcast has has more or less mentioned it in passing or has dove into the subject on a much more deeper end. A lot of people have talked about it, particularly those who discuss about politics and economics. They've all but touched on it. I haven't yet and largely because I only record my episodes on the weekend. So the events that happen within the week are going to happen before I end up talking about them most of the time. And this was one of those events that just, it happened uh, after I had already recorded the episodes for the week, and I'm now recording this on the weekend. And that's something I'm trying to, because when I was into, when, last year when I was doing this podcast, something I was struggling with a lot was actually editing the podcast episodes out, and I was trying to edit a ton throughout the week, and I, I really did didn't find that I found that I didn't really have a lot of time to do much of anything else uh, aside from editing the podcast episodes like it took me a long time to edit the episode and particularly the longer the episode was the longer it took me to uh, you know to edit yeah, it makes sense right but my beautiful wife decided to you know she asked me a question she was wondering you know well why don't you record them on the weekends it's a lot faster than you editing them on the weekends so we get more family time and you don't have to uh, and hopefully you'll be able to edit them because before the weekend comes and all that kind of stuff, I'm like, you know, okay, yeah, maybe not a bad idea. Because normally throughout the week, what I would do is I would either edit them in the mornings on, like, say, Monday or Tuesday, and then I would pursue editing them throughout the, later in the week and whatnot. And I don't know. I mean, that's not necessarily a terrible idea. It just was—I uh, don't know—it took a while to do, and, and I was always, almost always, editing over the weekend, and I hated it. So I'd much rather record the podcasts over the weekend than uh, record them in the middle of the week and have to edit them on the weekend. Because frankly, I enjoy recording the podcast. I hate editing them. Editing it is so monotonous and just, uh, it's it's one of the the worst drudgeries of podcasting. And I, I really, really don't like it. It really is a grind and whatnot. So for me, if I could just send my podcast off and have somebody else edit it, man, that would be the best thing in the world. But we're not there yet, and hopefully when we do, that will alleviate that stuff. And really, I mean, when you start getting into what you're doing and you're loving it, you're going to find, like I said in past episodes, again, uh, another reason why I asked you to take the 10-episode challenge, but in one of the the later episodes, and and frankly, I don't know if it's in the last 10. It might be further back than that. I think it's in the last 10. I mentioned how there's always going to be things that you hate about the things that you love to do. You know, everyone always says, do the things that you love, but there always are going to be aspects of the things that you love that you don't. Don't really like. This is normal. You're not going to love everything 100% of the time. That just isn't practical. And frankly, it's just not reality. Well, you know, editing podcasts is one of those things. So, I mean, eventually, what you got to do is you got to become successful enough with whatever you're doing to the point where you can outsource the things that you don't like. And so that you can ultimately make those things that you love, the things that you're doing for for a job or a career, the things that you love, make those more enjoyable. And then at that point, you would take away the things that kind of suck the fun into the life out of it. But even then, there's always going to be negative aspects of what you're doing that you don't like. You can't avoid them entirely. You can mitigate some of them, but in the process of mitigation, you might create more problems. So I don't know. You know, it's one of those things you just kind of have to pick and choose what you want to uh, try to go for. But it's, it's a good idea to try and something I'd like to do sometime in the future. But anyways, enough about that. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, so last week, we had a Make America Great Again rally that eventually deteriorated, supposedly, into a riot that stormed the Capitol and successfully broke in. Pretty crazy, right? I mean, a lot of people were watching this in horror. They were horrified, absolutely just Petrified at the very idea that somebody would break into the Capitol. And, and many people were like, this is the end. This is the end of America. This is the end of our democracy, which we, we don't have a democracy. We just don't. On paper, our country is supposed to be a democratically elected republic. Okay, although a republic is just another form of democracy. But still, democracy exists in republics. But either way, we don't have a democracy. We have a, a democratically elected republic that said, in reality, what we really have is a theocratically controlled oligarchy. And we've talked about that in past episodes as well. If you want to go back and you want to listen to those episodes, then go hit that up. But yeah, in reality, we don't have a democracy. We have a theocratically controlled oligarchy, okay? And a lot of people are like, well, Matthew, theocratic control, that means it's theocracy. That's religion. There's no religion that does that. Um, Yes, there is progressive ideology, climate change, gender politics— race politics or identity politics in general, progressivism, yeah, that's a religion. It would be stupid and very... Unwise of us to not categorize it as a religion. It is. It is a secular religion. It's not a religion that involves a deity, although you could say that the deity in heaven is basically government because they look at these politicians as if they're gods. They're infallible to them, as long as they're not against them and they're actually on their team, right? A very team sport mentality there. But, anyways, that said, that's what we actually have in America today. But, anyways, many people watched in horror and were really, really freaked out. They thought America was coming to an end. There were, however, other people who were watching that were actually just beside themselves in, in a good way. They were incredibly happy, even euphoric about it, saying, yes, the end of America is finally here. Yes, Trump is finally going to get justice, and all blah, 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 blah. And, and frankly, I, I don't know about you, but I looked at it more in just, oh my gosh, really is this happening? As if 2020 wasn't bad enough. And there were many positive things that came out of 2020. I mean, I've talked about this a lot of times. There's there was a very there was a lot of silver linings when it came to 2020. There was a lot of positivity that came out of it. It wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad at all. But there was a lot of stress and a lot of headaches and things that frankly none of us really would have ever wanted to deal with. Well, it, it, just it was obvious that no matter what way the election went, violence was going to break out one way or the other. Let's let's be honest. With the way that both of the political parties were trying to position themselves and, and, and the narratives that were going on on both sides, it was obvious that violence was inevitable. It was either going to be the left was going to riot because Biden didn't get elected and they accused Trump of cheating, or it was going to be the Republicans that would riot because they're angry that Trump didn't get elected and that Biden cheated. Either way, the narrative was very similar, just flip flopping the individuals, right? You're just flip flopping Biden for Trump or Trump for Biden, things of that nature. Or, you know, Republicans cheated or Democrats cheated. Either way, the narrative was very similar on both sides and it was very obvious what was going to happen. Uh, Although I don't think anybody anticipated them, you know, (laughs) breaking into the Capitol. But I mean, for me, I was just shaking my head the whole time because I was like, what do you hope to accomplish this? This isn't a coup. For those of you guys who don't know, a lot of people think coups are just simply uprisings. That's not true. A coup is an uprising from an elite, okay? It is basically an elite that's already deeply entrenched into the ruling class, right? Maybe they're a military leader, maybe they're a political leader, and they have influence and control with the military. It is usually part of the elite ruling class that revolts against the other elites who already are sitting in the chair of power, if you will. And that's what a coup is. A coup is really where elites rise up to dethrone the other elites, and, but they only use elite methods. Like they would roll in with tanks and military personnel, thousands upon thousands of men. They'd have their own military. Or maybe they'd have a section of the military or a, a group of, of heavily armed individuals or, or so, something around those lines. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what coups are. Coups are not a, a, a ragtag bunch of, you know, political supporters that decide to go and break into the capital and cause mayhem. That, that's not what a coup is. But I digress. That's not really a point that I'm, I'm tr- I was trying to make. But the point is, is that, you know, I was shaking my head because frankly, I was like, w- where is this ev- even going? What do you hope to accomplish? I mean, you really think you're going to benefit anything? No, you're just going to get killed or arrested. That's it. And that's what happened. They called in the National Guard. I don't even think, I think that the situation was handled before the National Guard even got there, although I could be wrong with that. But I mean, yeah, that was it. I mean, one woman got killed, you know, and then a couple other people died, but it wasn't really, they, they didn't say what the causes really were. And something like 56 people got arrested. I I, I don't know how many exactly. I think, I think I read somewhere it was like 56. And I'm like, seriously, that's it? That's it? <laughs> what did you think was honestly going to go down here? I I, I I don't know. I really, really don't know. Look, rioting is never okay. I'm never in a fan of rioting because most of the time it's it's destroying your community. It's destroying people that, that are typically victims of the same issue that you're mad about and, it, and they're innocent. They had nothing to do with the circumstances. You're just, you're effectively throwing a temper tantrum like a little child. Rioting is is never okay. But it's, it's largely ineffective as well. What rioting is, whether you're protesting or whether you're rioting, either way, they're both largely ineffective. And all they are, are basically actions of people who don't have liberty, who are not truly free. You could say maybe to some extent they're slaves. But they're not free. They're not truly free and they feel they have very little power because they do, they don't have any kind of influence, they've got no standing, they're just they've got nothing. and they don't know what to do. They thought that voting was, at least in this case, they thought that voting was their way of affecting change. Come to realize like myself and many other people have been saying for a long time that no voting was is completely worthless, especially on the national level. Again, I've talked about this in, in, in past episodes. I could see an argument for voting being more effective on the local level. There's a lot less special interest groups and a lot less money going into the local elections. They just don't get the media coverage and therefore they don't get the kind of support. So it's I can see a much, much better argument for local elections and, and, and voting on that level actually makes. But still, I don't like voting one way or the other. I'm not a fan of it, and I do not support democracy. I don't like democracy at all. But look, that's what protesting and rioting are. Protesting and rioting are basically people who lack liberty and they lack control trying to lash out in an attempt to affect change. But really, what are they doing? They're asking for permission to be free instead of taking freedom for themselves. And I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about taking control of the source of your income. Look, whether you like to admit it or not, whether you like money, whether you hate it, it doesn't, look, your freedom is tied to your wealth. Not in part, no, in whole. Your freedom, straight up, is tied to your wealth. What determines whether you are free? Look at how much money you make. Look at how much money you got in the bank account. How wealthy are you? I can literally look at your finances and I can determine right away how free you are or are not. Okay? I can. Imagine this. If you are truly free, then you have the ability to make a ton of money and you've got loads of money. You can pay the politicians to vote on the way that you want them to vote. Now, you'll probably have to bid and, and with, other, with other lobbying groups, but you can lobby, Right? If you're wealthy enough and you don't like the way things are going in your country, you can just straight up leave. If you're not a separatist in that sense, then maybe you would start an organization that tries to preach the ideas that you aspire to, that you support, that you believe in. You know, like the Mises Institute, the Foundation for Economic Education, the American Institute for Economic Research. I could talk endlessly about how many of them are out there. Those are my top three favorites. Uh, personally, my favorite of all of them is the Mises Institute. And then second favorite would be the Foundation for Economic Education. And then third would be the American Institute for Economic Research. But I, I love the Mises Institute. It has a very special place in my heart. And uh, But I love all three of the of those publications. I love all three of those institutions. They're great. But somebody created them to spread these ideas out there because, I mean, politics is downstream from culture. You have to change the culture in order to change the government, in order to change the politics. But, I mean, at that point, you know, the reason we're in the boat that we're in right now is because we've been indoctrinated for generations now through the education system, through entertainment, through not only elementary school, but all the way up to college. It's really not surprising that we're in the state that we're in. But anyways, we're getting off topic. Ladies and gentlemen, look, like I said, lots of people watched the, the, the situation in horror and some were just elated. They were super happy about it. Me personally, like I said, I shook my head because I was like, I, I don't understand what you hope to accomplish here. And frankly, it wasn't really even clear to the riders once they got in. It wasn't even clear what they even wanted or were hoping to get out of it. I'm not even sure they knew. I mean, the situation was resolved within a couple of hours, so I don't even know if they knew what the heck they were going for. But, th- but anyways, this one event sent shockwaves very briefly through the entire nation as many people came to realize how fragile the Tower of Babel, which is America, <laughs> really is. You see, America has been this, this experiment, this project for a long time. And really what it was, was it was an idea of giving people the, the, the right of self-ownership. It was a very libertarian idea. American America is a libertarian experiment. And the idea was that people would be able to be better off if they managed and they ruled their own lives as opposed to having a dictator or a, a monarch or a ruler. In all fairness... You know, the United Kingdom, uh, when we revolted against them, you know, there was a king that had a massive amount of power. However, there was also parliament and there was also the the House of Commons. There was an essence of democracy there as well. And if you've listened to me before, there is a very big difference between democracy and monarchy in, in the incentive structure that's there. What are the politicians in a publicly owned government? That's what a democracy or republic is. Is a publicly owned government, what are the incentive structures there as opposed to a privately owned government like monarchy? but that said though and again we 're not really getting into that, but a lot of people thought it was all over. this experiment, this project was over, done, destroyed, but then within a couple of hours it was it was done it was it was finished, and everyone went back, went back to their normal lives after realizing that the tower of Babel never really fell like they thought it was going to how many times has this actually happened in your life and to you how many times have you needlessly sat around biting your nails freaking out that something horrible might happen tomorrow but it never really does how many hours do you waste being fearful of some kind of horrible future event coming i mean let's be honest we, we all struggle with this i do but should we you see fear by its very nature is irrational. Fear is worrying about a future event that has not and may never most likely come to light. Fear doesn't really exist. And this is the whole core of what I really wanted to talk about today. We got on off on a lot of tangents, I, you know, it happens. But fear doesn't really exist. It only exists in our minds so long as we allow it to. That's the truth. I say that all the time. That's the truth. <laughs> but, it, but, but, but it is. Fear does not exist. It only exists in your mind. And it's always a worry or a concern about a future event that hasn't happened and may never happen. That's what fear is, ladies and gentlemen. So so a, a picture for yourself this. Picture, if you will, you're on a cliff. You're looking over a cliff. You've got a couple hundred, maybe even a couple thousand feet. I don't know. You've got a very, very far distance to fall if you fall. You're looking over the cliff and you and you look down and you get a little dizzy and you're all of a sudden you're struck with fear. Why? Why are you afraid? You know, if I was to ask you, you'd be like, well, I'm afraid of falling. But I'm like, are you really afraid of falling? Why? Why are you afraid of falling? Well, because frankly, I'm afraid that if I I fall, I'm going to hit the ground and die. Okay, that makes sense. You see, you're not really afraid of the fall per se. You're afraid of dying at the end of the fall. What if you knew that you, you couldn't really die if you fell? Would that change whether you were afraid or not? Some people it might. What if you wouldn't even experience any kind of pain? No pain, nothing. Now, granted, please don't experiment with this. If you fall off something as high as that, you are going to die. It would be an instant death. Unless, of course, you've got some kind of gear on you that allows you to, you know, the flying squirrel gear or whatever, or maybe a parachute, paraglider, whatever. If you are falling, free falling, and you got no way of stopping yourself or slowing yourself down, you are going to die. So don't try it. Don't don't go and try that. But I mean, I mean, you would think that would be um, a given. But you you never know. But that that's sad. Look, you're not so much afraid of the fall. You're not even you're not afraid of of stepping over the cliff. Even you're afraiding of the death that you think is going to occur if you fall. But you haven't fallen yet. You're just standing on the edge, and you may not ever really fall, right? That's what fear really is. I mean, fear is just a concern that you have. I know I'm repeating myself here, but it's something I do fairly often on the show, as many of you probably have realized at this point. But I think sometimes repeating yourself isn't a bad thing. But anyway, fear is just a concern that you have about a future event that hasn't happened and may never happen. See, fear only really exists in our minds. And how often are we afraid? How much time do we burn being afraid of something that, to be frank, never, never actually materializes, never actually happens. It's a good question. It really is. Look, I mean, I'll be honest. I preach the message of we all need to become financially free because someday there will be a day of reckoning in this nation in America, maybe even in other Western nations, where it will all fall to pieces. I mean, all empires, I mean, empires don't last forever. America definitely is an empire, and em- empires do not last forever. Rome didn't last forever. The Ottoman Empire, right? That was an empire. That was a big empire. Very powerful. Very prosperous. Gone now. Look, all empires eventually fall. America will be no different. And there are probably many of you that are out there that are probably being, are going to be like, well, Matthew, America is not an empire. Well, let's look at the evidence, okay? Real quick, before we get back into this whole topic of fear, America has military bases all throughout the world to keep tabs and ultimately control over those nations. America uses its, its, its currency and its financial system to control big, big portions of the world. All right? If a country isn't playing ball with America, then America can bar them from accessing any of the financial markets with that America has access to. That would be devastating for many countries and the businesses that are within them. America has engaged, America's government has engaged in clandestine operations to ultimately topple other governments that were populistic, nationalistic for the purpose of putting their own puppets in power so that they could control those countries. Largely, there was an incentive with it. Sometimes it's oil. Sometimes Who knows what it is? But a lot of times it has to do with oil. You saw this in Ukraine. They call these color revolutions. And not because it has nothing to do with race. It has to do with... Usually there's a color that's associated with the revolutions themselves. America is very much an empire. And eventually the the empire will fall. So I, I don't the reason I go into that is because I I fear this day. This is something that I I often worry about. I often worry about either America going into a civil war or America falling and just everything just deteriorates and collapses around us and I don't want me and my family to have to deal with that. Now, do I think that's in my time frame? I genuinely I don't. But I, I don't know for sure, as I don't have a crystal ball. Neither does anybody else. Nobody really knows. You know, and, and I sometimes wonder, am I fearing something irrationally here? Is this an irrational fear? Well, when I look at all the fundamental data, debt is growing at an alarming rate. Debt only slows down an economy. It does not benefit the economy in any which way, shape, or form. Then why? Why why does it not benefit the economy? Because again, what have we talked about? We talked about this in in the last couple of episodes, in fact. Debt is merely future consumption, consumption that you would have been engaged in in the future, pulled forward to the present. And when you pull consumption in the future to the present, you no longer have that consumption in the future. That's what debt is. When you or your country or whoever is engaging in debt, you're pulling future consumption into the present and therefore you will not be able to consume that much into the future. Now, the only caveat to this is if you increase your production so that you can like pay the debt off and then you, and now you can consume even more so than what you were able to in the present it, it, when you get to the future. But again, that's if you increase production. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. There's a lot of other things that are going on. But debt is growing at an alarming rate. Savings, while it's at an all-time high now, is not going to be when this is all over. Because beforehand, people were not saving. People hardly ever save. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, savings is the real driver of economy. Savings is, is merely just the back of the same coin when it comes to consumption. There's consumption and then there's savings. The only reason you engage in savings and you engage in investing is so you can consume more in the future. But savings makes consumption possible. You cannot consume if you don't have any savings unless you're using debt, and we've already talked about that. And that's just debt. You know, we're not even talking about all the regulations. We're not talking about all the little freedoms and liberties that are being taken away. You know, it's because the government engages more and more in inflation, which is an increase in the supply of money. It's not an increase in prices. That is, that is merely a, a cause of inflation. It's a, it's a symptom of the underlying disease. But the disease is an increase in the supply of money, whether physically or digitally with credit expansion, it artificially increases the supply of money. This is being engaged in as well at an alarming rate. And this is going to increase because if you don't continue to go into debt, if you don't continue to print money, right, whether digitally or or physically, if you don't continue to create new money, the economy falls, the economy dies. So you're now in this vicious cycle where you have to continue to do this over and over and over and over and over again. Right, And eventually, there's only two alternatives to paying debt off, ladies and gentlemen. There's only two. From the government perspective, there's only two. You either increase taxes and decrease government spending, so you would decrease Social Security. Maybe you take Social Security away altogether. You would decrease welfare, take it away altogether, and you would increase taxes. This would be politically suicidal, which is why no one's ever going to do this. No politician is ever going to do this. Or there's a hidden tax, inflation print money or create new money, whether that is in the form of banks lending out money they do not possess, that would be a credit expansion, that artificially increases the supply of money circulated in an economy, or the Federal Reserve takes on its balance sheets debt from the Treasury, which gives the Treasury more money, again, artificially increasing the supply of money that exists in an economy that is circulated. That's really the only way. Engaging in inflation and causing monetary devaluation, right? Devaluing the currency. That's the only way this is going to get fixed. And when that happens, the currency will not be valuable anymore. It will no longer be the reserve currency of the world, which I don't really think is a huge thing. There's a lot of other currencies out there that are not the reserve currency of the world and they're still around. But your money won't be worth anything. Poverty will be widespread, and do you think that the people, when that happens, do you think that people are going to just take it lying down? Do you think they're going to be happy about it? Absolutely not. They're going to be incredibly enraged. Stock market will eventually collapse if this continues and plays out the way I think it will, which would be very similar to the Weimar Republic. It, it would be terrible. I literally live in fear of this. One of the reasons I started this podcast is because I want to sound the alarm. I want to teach people how to take control of the sources of their income. I want to take you on my journey And doing this so that you guys can see how I'm doing it. And then you guys can copy. And we can all become financially free together. Take control over the sources of our income. Take control over our finances. Become truly free. And live the liberty lifestyle. Right? this lifestyle of the libertarians. Live the principles of liberty. Which is why I call it the liberty lifestyle. That I think is amazing. And that's why I'm doing this. I'm doing it largely out of fear. Or at least, well, that's how it all started, okay, for me. That's how it all started. A long time ago, I was ignorant. Ignorance was bliss. I didn't know any of this kind of stuff. I didn't know anything about Austrian economics. I was a conservative Christian Republican. That's what I was. Voted Republican every single election cycle. That's pretty much what I did a long time ago. And now I'm, you know, I I don't vote anymore, I don't think it's a a wise use of my time and energy, and I don't have a typical career like most people. I'm working very hard to take control over the source of my income. If you haven't guessed it by now, I currently am not financially free yet, right? This is my journey to financial freedom still, very, very much still. I'm trying to find how to make money online, or at least there's a million and one ways to do it. I know of how to do it, but I'm trying to put it into practice right you know i don't make enough money to take over to be the primary source of income for my family my wife has a traditional job she's given me the ability to do this i'm a stay at home dad i take care of my 1 year old daughter when my wife is working so i'm very much doing this as more of a part time thing than uh, than a full time You know, taking care of my daughter takes up the bulk of my day each and every day. So I don't have the free time to to work heavily on stuff. But this is something that I am fearful of. But let's ask ourselves the question. So we we just looked into, are there genuine reasons to be afraid of this? Yes, there are. But what, does it do me any good to sit around and worry about this and bite my nails and, and constantly be fearful of this? No, it does not. While there is cause for concern about the future stability and the of America, okay, that, that there is real concern there, is America ever going to deteriorate and die and go out? Probably not. Personally, I don't think America's ever going to deteriorate and die and go away forever. Probably more so along the lines of Rome, Greece, you know, countries like that where they'll just become a, a shadow of what it once was. But I, I do not believe America is going to die or go away forever. I really don't know. I really have no idea. America could split apart and then America is no longer uh, the United States of America anymore. Maybe it's just the states of America no longer unite. I, I don't know. But it is something that I, I I am concerned about. And I think that mo a lot of people are. I think you are. Many of you who are listening to me today, you guys probably very well may be concerned about it very much in, in a very similar fashion to me. But is it worth sitting around and worrying and wasting our lives away, our time away, constantly concerned over? That's what I did when I first learned about all the fear, when I learned about all the risks that were really out there. That's exactly what I did. I, I sat around, was depressed. You know, I didn't get into drinking or anything. I just slept in. I just, I just spent a lot of time taking naps and sleeping in, you know? That's what I did. I didn't really I was afraid. But get this, I burned a lot of my my time and time is not a resource that is renewable. It's the most valuable resource because it's non-renewable. We don't get it back. I burned a lot of it being afraid. Now, I'm not so much I'm still a little I'm still afraid of it. I'm still I'm still concerned, but I'm pushing forward. I'm preparing myself. I have direction. I have purpose which for me is incredibly important because a long time ago, I didn't have any purpose. Like a lot of people, I was told to go to college, get good grades, get, get, get a good job, right? Translation, go become a debt slave and then become a mind slave to your professor or your, your university and then become a wage slave to your employer. That, uh, translation, that's what it is. More and more enslavement more and more things of that nature. Now, that might, be, that might go a little too far for you guys. You guys may not agree with it. That's fine. You, you don't have to. You know, it's. I don't expect you to agree with everything I say on the show, although I would like it if you did. Naturally, I you know, I would love it if you did. But, you know, I understand. I mean, I, I have many mentors that I don't agree with 100%, but I do agree with them most of the time, probably 99% of the time. Look, if you go into debt, you know, it's a biblical principle. The debtor is slave to the lender. It's in the Bible. Not only is it in the Bible, it's just a common known truth. If you are in debt, you are slave to the lender. If you are sitting in a class and you are listening to somebody else and you have to sit in that class, you don't have a choice. Maybe you can go to another class, but you have to have the class in general, you are a mind slave now. You don't get a choice. Sure, maybe you could choose one professor over the other, but if you've ever tried to register for classes, yeah, you only get like maybe 2-3 options depending on the size of your university, maybe more but you still have to take the class. And the overall information is going to be the same one way or the other. You are a mind slave. And then when you go get a job to an employer, sure, maybe you're not a slave to that, to that individual employer. Maybe you don't have to work for them. You might be able to find another job, assuming that the economy is good to do so. However, you're hopping from one employer to the other. They control your income, not you. They determine how much they want to pay you you don't determine that. You can't all of a sudden decide that I want to sell a new product and make more money. I want to sell a new subscription service and make more money. No, no, you don't get that choice. You are now a wage slave. And you have to live in accordance to how the employer wants. You know I mean? There are some employers that try to even influence you outside of your work. Google comes to mind. I'm sure there's a lot more. I know that Ford, a long time ago, when Henry Ford controlled it, he would literally go into the home of some of his employees and, deter- and make sure they weren't drinking, make sure they weren't behaving horribly, and the employees had to capitulate. They had to. You know, it was very wrong when Henry Ford did it, and it's very wrong when corporations do it too. I know from experience with, um, you know, just with my wife working in the corporate world, I know for, I've, I've heard and I've even seen some of the st- stuff that they have. And they have like these, these, oh, you have to continue education. Well, that's okay. The company is going to put on these classes and these, these uh, talking engagement the speaking engagements with, with other people in the, in the company. And, you know, you would register, you go be a part. A lot of it was a lot of progressive ideology propaganda. Not all of it was, but a lot of it was. You are a wage slave. You can hop from one company to another, but you are still controlled by the finances, by the money. And if they don't like the way that you're living, they could literally fire you. They could lay you off. And in a world like the 21st century like we live in today, where if it comes out that someone accuses you of being racist, oh my gosh, the Twitter mob will attack you and you will be finished. No more job. no, No more money. You are a wage slave. That's what I was pursuing a long time ago, just like anybody else. And then fi- and I had no direction, didn't know what I wanted to do at all. And eventually what happened was I found uh, my mentor who started to open my eyes about politics and economics. And actually I discovered him because my father was interested in options trading And I decided that I wanted to get into options trading and then I did a lot of research and that research led me into Forex trading. That's where I actually discovered my mentor initially. And then eventually I found his podcast and been listening to him ever since. Opened my eyes in many ways and ultimately gave me a lot of direction in my life and challenged me to take control over the source of my income so that I wouldn't fall prey to a lot of the things that very many people are going to because they don't control their lives. And now, while I'm still kind of, I'm still worried, and and again, when I got into all this, I I got into it because I was was genuinely afraid of what was coming down the road. And I still am today. And I think there's very real concern there, but sitting around and being afraid of it's not going to do anything. It's a waste of my time. Instead... I need to plan. I need to pursue a life that's going to give me more freedom and more options than what the vast majority of people have. You see, if I can control the source of my income, if it comes out that the United States is, in fact, going down the road that I think it's going down, and there's going to be a lot of volatility and instability and violence and things of that nature, I, I can leave. I don't have to stay here. I've got a lot of money. I can leave. You know, a lot of the people in the Middle East, when the wars broke out, thanks to America, thanks to other international governments and and the wars that we've done there, I mean, the Middle East has been devastated in many ways. But when all of those wars happened, many of the refugees that were displaced, that were able to leave, were the wealthy ones. Many of them, many of the the initial first ones were the wealthy ones. And they were impoverished as a result of it. They spent every dime they had. They were wealthy, at least with regards to their nation, okay? Maybe not wealthy in our terms, but they were wealthy when you compare them to other people in their nation. A nation that uh, th- their nations, which are largely uh, composed of a mass amount of poverty. They were wealthy. And it was the wealthy who were able to get out first. It was the wealthy who were able to leave Of course, there were poor people who were walking across borders and and fleeing with nothing but maybe a backpack and maybe some provisions, and that was about it. But you see, it was the wealthy who had options. It was the wealthy who were able to use their money to leave and to start another life somewhere else. Some of them, not all of them were impoverished, by the way. You know, I mean, look at India. India is an interesting, uh, in, an interesting study. If you look at India, a lot of the individuals who are coming over here from India are wealthy people. Either they are wealthy or they are related to wealthy individuals, but they're not the poor. Most of them are not poor in India. Now, I'm not trying to say that it's impossible for poor people from India to get over here. I'm just saying that, you know, a lot of the individuals that are coming over here from India are from the wealthy class of India. Now, is India going through a lot of turmoil? You know, I mean, perhaps not going through any war, at least as far as I'm aware. But there is a lot of, there are limitations in India still as to how wealthy you can become. There is rampant poverty. So the wealthy have the option to leave and become even wealthier by moving to America. You see, when you have wealth, you have options, And when you don't, you have none, or at least you have very few. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to ask, you know, to to think about that, to think about what what we've been talking about today, you know, and ask yourself those questions, you know, ask yourself, what are you currently afraid of? Have you ever sat down and asked yourself, should you be afraid of it? Is it worth spending time worrying about it? And I'd imagine most of you will probably come to the conclusion that it's not when you really think about it, right? A lot of the fears that we have, not all the fears are unfounded. Some of the fears actually do warrant genuine concern, like like mine, one of my biggest fears. But it doesn't do us any good to sit around worrying about it. We need to get out there and we need to pursue preparing ourselves for it. We need to pursue a life that not only puts us in a good position for handling whatever it is we may or may not be worried about, but also it puts us in a better position just in general, right? It puts us in a better position to be able to handle life in general, to be able to be more free, to be able to have more options. If you can write a check for a problem, you don't have a problem. Money problems are the best problems to have because they can be solved with more money. That's what a problem is when you can write a check for the problem. That's the ty- that type of problem is a money problem. And they account for the vast majority of problems that we have in our lives. Now, in a couple episodes ago, I think it was the last episode, I said, "Hey, you can't really ever fix real the, the problem. You can't really ever fix problems. You can only shift the problems." But, but really, what I was really more referring to was life problems. I wasn't really referring in that particular instance. I was referring to life problems, not like, yes, my dishwasher broke and I could pay money to get it fixed. Well, that's not really shifting problems, is it? You know, you're not really shifting problems. Is there really a problem with having a working dishwasher? No, not really. I'm talking more about life problems. So, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, but you know, before we end the show, let's ask another one more question here. Why am I really afraid of the United States falling apart and becoming socialistic or slash communistic with some form of dictator in the process? This is usually the sign of a dying nation, of a dying democracy, things of that nature, right? This is this is the, the inevitable process. We descend into socialism, communism, dictatorship. You know, something around those lines. And revolutions pop up, and very rarely do revolutions result in more freedoms and prosperities for more people in that nation. Most of the time, revolutions result in more dictatorial control or, you know, even worse situations than what you had before, a lot of times. I mean, look no further than the French Revolution. I mean, they revolted, and then the, the people who took power after the monarchs ended up being even worse than the monarchs. More people were killed under the new regime than the monarchy themselves. It wasn't a a good situation at all. And eventually, they ended up on monarchical rule all over again. But we we need to ask ourselves a question. Why am I, in particular, why am I really afraid of the United States falling? Well, frankly, because I'm afraid that I won't be able to continue the life that I have come to love anymore. A life of relative comfort. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm by no means a super wealthy individual here, but I'm comfortable for the most part. I like the life that I get to live. I like the life with my family. You know, there's prospects about being able to even live a better life. There's the ability to continue to increase my life, the money that I have, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. Not just the money, but, you know, that's part of it. And I'm afraid of all that going away, right? And why am I afraid of that? Well, I'm afraid because it would be uncomfortable. And I don't want to experience the pain of any of that. You see, it's more, it's more pain, the pain that would come from all of that, that I'm most afraid of. But ladies and gentlemen, by, by working to take control of the source of your income, which is what I'm doing, is one of the best ways, in my opinion, of, of avoiding it. At least it gives you a fighting chance, right? If you've got money, if you've got wealth, if you have mobile income, you can go wherever you want. You can live wherever you want. I mean, I, I've said it many times. What I really want, my ultimate dream, ladies and gentlemen, is I want to be able to have multiple bank accounts and multiple rental properties in multiple countries. How cool would that be? And multiple passports in each one. I mean, that way, if one country starts to fall apart and doesn't look good, I can hop to another one. If one country starts to restrict how much money I can earn and they start to steal more money through taxation and all this kind of stuff, you know, they engage in more money printing, whatever, if they start to turn authoritarian, I can leave. I can hop to the next country and close down my bank accounts in that one country and and hop over to the next one. Right? And if I don't even have money, if I can't even get my money out of that country, well, that's okay. I got a bunch of other money elsewhere. This was hardly my only stash of money. Um, Look, here's what I want to get across. I want to get across that your wealth is tied to your freedom. Okay, and that fear ultimately doesn't exist. It only really exists in our minds, and that we need to ask ourselves whether th- certain things are really is it really worth being afraid of? We need to ask ourselves that question. You will come to find that like I did, if you really sit down and think about it, you will have certain things in your life that you are concerned about that there is genuine concern for, but you're going to find out that a lot of things, it's not worth being concerned about at all. However, something that I haven't really made a distinction of yet, and I haven't really pointed out, is that I'm saying that your freedom is tied to your wealth, right? And that it really, you need a lot of money to be free and you need to have control of where that money is coming from. So the source of, of the income, you need to have control over that. But one of the things that I haven't said yet, and it, it might sound like I'm saying that money will fix all problems and that money will make you happy and things of that nature. Money is not the end all be all, ladies and gentlemen. It really isn't. Okay. Money will not make you happy. And there are things that happen in life that money can't help you at all with. Okay. While money is very important to ensure our to ensure our freedom and our family's freedoms, and it, and, and yes, your freedom is tied to how much money you have, your wealth, but it is not the end all be all of everything in life. It is just merely a tool. Money is amoral. Okay. Money is neither good nor evil. It's just a tool, just like a gun. A gun is not good or evil. It's an inanimate object. It doesn't think for itself. It doesn't have a brain. It doesn't have the ability to to uh, debate morality or ethics or anything of the sort. No. You leave a gun on the table, it doesn't do anything. It, you know, it's it's an amoral tool. And, you know, it really boils down to the person that has the money. The person that has the weapon or whatnot. That's what really boils down. That person could be good or evil, and you kind of find out when, you know, based off how they behave, how they act. Not by what they say. But ladies and gentlemen, money is not evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evils, or at least it is a root of all kinds of evils, right? But that doesn't mean that money itself is evil you just don't really want to love money okay so just just try to try to keep that in perspective okay try to understand that i'm not trying to say that money is the end all be all and you should worship it and sell out to it that's not what i'm trying to say okay there is a balance yes it's okay to pursue money it's okay to try to 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 pursue increase this is what we do in life whether it's increase in health Wealth, happiness, relationships, whatever it is, we are pursuing increase in our life. Whether that, if you're a Christian, whether that's your relationship with God, whatever it is, we're trying to pursue increase. Money is part of that, and it's not wrong to do so, but when you become obsessive with it, when you love it, truly love it, you you will do almost anything to get it. You will violate your 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 principles. You will vi- violate your morality in order to achieve. You'd sell your own mother if you could. That, ladies and gentlemen, is wrong. But money is not evil inherently. Okay, it's just an object, and it, it will not provide you happiness. The things that money can provide you could could help you be happy, but in the end. What determines happiness is is, is, there's a lot of things, not just one thing. But anyways, this is not an episode talking about happiness. You know, I just, I wanted to to point that I'm not trying to say that money makes you happy. I'm also not trying to say that money is the end-all be-all of everything. It's not. But it is required to ensure your freedom. And it's important for us to pursue it. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for the episode. hope you guys enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty good one. If you did, make sure to like and subscribe wherever you are. And if you want to support the show financially, then consider giving a donation to the show. We very much appreciate it. The donation will be used to grow this message of financial freedom and personal empowerment to as many people as we can ultimately get to listen. And if you want to support the show in a non-monetary way, then go to iTunes, leave a rating and review there. And on top of that, probably more important than all of that is share the show. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we grow by your efforts to share the show. That's one of the biggest drivers of growth in the show is if you like the message and you share it, that helps to grow the show and to ultimately spread this message of financial freedom to, again, as many people as we can get to listen. I really think there's a lot of people that would heavily benefit off this message. I mean, I, I myself, I've told this story many times. I was aimless and directionless for a long time before I knew about a lot of this kind of stuff. I think there's a lot of people who are aimless too, and I'd like to help give them purpose. But we can't do that if we if they don't know that the show even exists. So ladies and gentlemen, one of the most important things that you guys can do to help me grow this message and the show, help me to spread this message, is ultimately to share the show. So if you want to support the show, that's the number one way to do it. And... Last but most certainly not least, actually probably uh, second most important, is I am going to be doing, uh, you know, uh, in the past couple episodes I've mentioned that I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be putting together a group for you guys to subscribe to for the show and I'm going to be including a special service in that, show, in that group if you guys decide to subscribe called the Liberty Informant. And what the Liberty Informant is, and I've said this many times already, but if you're joining me you know for the first time, you may not know. What the Liberty Informant is, is it's basically where I come in. I don't share my opinions at all. If you want my opinions, you come to the podcast. But at the Liberty Informant, I come in and I read articles from the Foundation for Economic Education, the Mises Institute, and the American Institute for Economic Research. And frankly, I think these are some of the best and most wonderful. Like I said at the be- uh, at, earlier in the show, this, these are my favorite publications out there on economics, on libertarian politics. They're absolutely amazing. Free markets, laissez-faire. It's great stuff. Absolutely amazing. These institutions are wonderful. So the point of the Liberty Informant is to give you guys a different way of consuming the information, to turn the, the information into a different medium, going from an article that you have to read and turning it into an audio file that you can listen to. And the main purpose of this is there's a lot of people that are out there who would love to keep themselves informed of what's going on in the world through the lens of libertarianism and Austrian economics, and also being able to educate themselves further on these different Austrian economic and libertarian principles as well. There's a lot of people who heavily desire to read this stuff, but they simply don't have the time. They've got full-time jobs, and when they come home, they've got kids and a wife or a husband. They've got a lot of stuff going on in life, and they simply do not have the time to sit down and read articles. Well, I do have that time to some extent. I don't have a ton of time, but I got enough to where I can show you guys the articles that I'm reading from these institutions. It's not going to be every single article that's posted. You know, on Monday, if there's 20 different articles that gets posted, I'm not going to be able to cover each one. In fact, Let's say there's 50 or 60 get posted throughout an entire week. I'm not going to be able to cover each one, all right? That's not my full-time gig. So, you know, that being said, I'm going to try to cover the stuff that I'm interested in reading that I think you guys need to be aware of and ultimately that I got value out of and I think you would get value out of as well. So if you guys want to see what I'm reading on a week-to-week basis and you guys want to be able to increase your education and also uh, be aware of what's going on in the world but you don't have time to read it, this is a great way for you guys to be able to do that. Now, I was going to do all of this with locals.com. I, I, can't, I think in uh, not in last episode, not episode 75, but I think 74, I recommended people to go to locals, or at least I talked about it. Um, I've, I've changed my mind. I'm not going to do locals.com. There's a very good reason. Locals.com, if you don't have a very large following, and we are still very much in our infancy here at, at podcast. And if you don't have a large following, then what, unfortunately, Locals.com limits how many files you can upload that are above 200 megabytes. And I didn't actually know this uh, because I've only ever posted podcast episodes, and and I only ever do two a week, so that only gets me to eight every single month. Well, apparently, if you're uploading files that are over 200 megs, you can only upload 10 a month, and that's it. And now that you do get to increase, and eventually you get to have an unlimited amount. But again, you have to upgrade your account, and you have to have. And the only way to do that is to have more people. And because you know this is a new service and a new group that we're formulating, you know, it's not going to be that big. And because we're small, I don't like having that limitation. So I decided I'm going to be making the group in MeWe. It'll be a private group. You pro- you will not be able to find it unless you get an invitation to the group. So you will need to make a MeWe account, and then of course you guys. Are going to get access to a great group of people who are all interested in financial freedom and you know libertarianism, Austrian economics, and we'll have a lot of amazing discussions. I'm going to be in there. You guys are going to be able to get in contact with me. You can find me on mewe.com and add me as your contact, and then you can send messages to me. That that would be great. So I am very busy, so I do not promise that I'll be able to answer you know everybody, but um, at least but I will I will read them, and I, I do I do make that promise is that I I will do my best to read all of them. But that anyways. That said, though, it's not going to be free, okay? Uh, I don't know if MeWe gives you the ability to post content and have the content blocked for only paid subscribers. I don't know if MeWe does that. So, but even with that was true, I want the group to be a paid-for group. I only want people who are interested in financial freedom and libertarianism and Austrian economics. I only want people who are interested in that kind of stuff, and the way to keep out the trolls is to uh, put it behind a paywall. And that's the best way to do it. Not to mention the Liberty Informant takes a lot of time f- on my end to produce. So I decided to ch- uh, to make it $10 a month. And I think that's, e- I mean, look, you spend more money on a cup of coffee every day at Starbucks. If, if you go to Starbucks every day, you spend way more money a month on that. You spend way more money a month on so many other things. I mean, come on, $10 a month. You spend more money on going out to eat on a monthly basis, right? I mean, you spend more money all, you know, in, in way more ways. Ten dollars a month is not that expensive. So that said, that's going to be coming. However, I have created episodes for the Liberty Informant already. If you want to kind of see, I have two free episodes that are available that you guys can literally go and listen to that are available on Locals.com. So if you want to go follow me there, you can get a a, a bit of a sense of what I'm actually going to be doing and whatnot. And I think I am going to periodically produce one free episode at least so I can post out to social medias and and show people what the Liberty Informant is and and if they're interested, where they can go to get access to it and whatnot. But so anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that is to come. So make sure to keep an eye out on that. Again, if you want to uh, go to New Millennium Wealth, make sure to you make sure to subscribe via the email. Uh, just click the button, say get started, and you know, sign up for the newsletter and whatnot, so you guys are made aw- so that I can make you guys aware of, you know, of, of when I when I go ahead and launch all that and get all that set up. So ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be the end of the show. Again, hope you guys enjoyed it. I did. I had a lot of fun doing it. I love each and every one of you guys. The fact that you guys are willing to spend your week with me just to come here and listen to me is absolutely amazing. So I want to say thank you so much. It really does enrich my life. I'm hoping that I'm enriching your life as well with this podcast and whatnot. So, and look, I mean, when I finally start achieving the financial freedom and stuff, I'm going to be doing courses and all kinds. I'm going to To be doing a lot of great stuff here. You know, uh, podcasting courses, blogging courses, trading courses, if you're interested in Forex trading, it's all to come in the future. So, if you guys are interested in this type of stuff and you love what I'm doing, you love this concept, yep, make sure to not only share it, but make sure to come here each and every week and listen. And, you know, I very much love you guys being here. So, thank you for being here. And uh, I'll see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.